What is going on? Welcome back to the Matt Graham Podcast. We've talked about many things on this podcast. We've talked about marriage. We've talked about making money. We've talked about making friends. We've talked about making content. We've talked about a whole lot of things, but one thing that we have yet to focus on is the trials and tribulations of the teenager. So uh, for those that don't know, a large portion of my audience is under 18. While I do have a nice variety of people that follow me on the internet, uh, a good chunk is under 18. So I wanted to dedicate an episode to them and, uh, and try to give them as much value as I possibly can. So I put out an Instagram story uh, just a few days ago asking for some questions from my audience uh, that is under 18, and I compiled the most commonly asked questions and the most interesting questions that I think will provide value to those obviously under 18, but also those that are over 18 that are trying to find their way in the world. Um, so if you're a young person or you know a young person, maybe you're listening to this and have a uh, younger son or daughter that you would like to uh, share this message to, I think that they would find it very valuable. So without further ado, let's dive into the questions that you guys asked me. Question number one, is college worth it for someone who doesn't know what they want to do? Well, my friend, the answer to this question is pretty straightforward. We should look at a college education just as we would look at any other investment that one might make. And the mark of any good investment is the return that you get on that investment. You know, if you're going to invest $100,000 in something and you don't get more than $100,000 out, well, then that was a poor investment. You did not have a great return on your investment. However, if you are going into an investment and you are certain that you're going to make $100,000, $200,000, $300,000 out of that $100,000 investment, now you have a solid investment because you have a return on said investment. Um, and the problem today with college is not that it's not valuable, but it's not valuable relative to the cost that you incur and the risk that you take. Now, you can minimize your risk by going for things that have a higher likelihood of having a higher income or a higher return on your investment, such as becoming a doctor, becoming a lawyer, becoming an engineer. These type of uh, career paths have a much higher you know, average salary so that if you were to, you know, incur a $100,000 cost that you are pretty certain that on the other side of that, you're going to make out pretty good and you're going to be able to pay off that debt and then save money and then live a decent life. However, this is where I have a problem with college because when people incur that same cost, but are not certain that they are going to get a return on that investment or worse, they pursue a career path that does not give you a return on that investment like gender studies, then what are you doing? It's probably not a smart investment. If you're going to, if you're going to take the risk of incurring all this debt, taking on all this debt, and going to make $30,000 a year, $40,000 a year, that's not a good investment. And so do I think that college is a good idea for somebody that doesn't know what they want to do? I think that is the biggest risk of them all. I think that's the biggest risk of them all. Because if you're going to take on tens of thousands, if not $100,000 worth of debt, and you don't really know why you're there, well, that's a horrible investment. And now some people are going to argue, they're going to be like, oh, well, you should do it for the experience. You should, you should do it for the college experience. That is not good advice. 
to be totally honest with you, every single person that has said to me, you should go to college for the experience and the experience alone, all of them hate their lives. All of them are very unhappy with what they do. All of them are very unhappy with who they are and the circle that they have. And they're the exact people that dislike the content that I make because it challenges their worldview and says that, you know, you sort of make, you sort of make the bed and you sleep in it. Um, they don't like to think of it that way. They think that, that having some sort of social experience or partying or whatever has more intrinsic value than actually developing a skill and making a return on your investment. Those people don't understand what they're talking about. You can, you can party and get drunk for a lot less than $100,000 uh, in, in unforgivable debt. You can just you know go to the liquor store and like get your friends together at your house and party and it's kind of the same experience and it doesn't cost you a bunch of money. Uh, I don't necessarily recommend that either. I don't think that that has much value, but if you, if you're hell bent on having some sort of experience, well, you can go out and meet people and network and, and, and do all that without incurring a hundred thousand dollars in debt. Like you can do that. So just like, just do that. Like if that's, if that's really what you want to do, if you're really hell bent on the experience, you can just turn up to some college and, you know, go have the college experience. The, to me, that is not even an argument. It's not a value, it provides no value to you long-term. I think that you're probably better off not experiencing that because all you really have to do to know whether or not it's worth it is look at the people who did do that and the people that didn't do that and see where their lives are at. And you can just kind of, you know, give your best guess on, on who's doing better. So that's kind of my story too, right? Like, you know, I assessed my options when I was in high school. I looked at the, I looked at the chessboard and I was like, okay, well, uh, I could go to some school and have the college experience and do the thing. But like, I had friends that were older than me that did that. And they didn't really seem that the return on that investment didn't really seem to be, you know, worth the cost because they're living with regret, regret now. They're probably unhappy now. They have baggage now. They have bad experiences now that they have to live with for the rest of their life. And they're not friends with any of the people that they socialize with now five, 10 years down the road. And it just, it just didn't, it wasn't worth it. So, okay, well, I'm not going to do that. That seems stupid, but you know, I do kind of want to get a proper education. This was before this, I graduated in 2015. So like this was before, you know, people really questioned college as like a mainstream thing. So I was kind of on the fence between like, you know, going to college or like getting a job or whatever. Uh, but I decided to go with the more conservative option of going to a community college and I went for business administration and I very quickly decided that it was not worth my time because uh, I had gotten a job my freshman year of college working at a boxing franchise and uh, I was working under the owner of the business who had actually run a successful business of, you know, a million dollar a year business or whatnot and the uh, flip the other side of the coin was I was sitting in a classroom paying $7,000, not $7,000, like $700 for textbooks uh, that the guy was just like writing the same information that I paid for the $700 textbook, like on the board. And then I would write it down again. And like that apparently was learning. Uh, so I was like, okay, well, I can either pay 
$700 for a textbook or $3,000 a year or whatever it was for community college to learn business, quote unquote, learn business from somebody who's never run a business in their life, or I could get paid to learn business from someone who has run a business and has done so successfully. Hmm. Let me think about that. If you're wondering what's a better investment, I could incur zero costs and actually come out on top and also get, learn the lessons and develop the skills and you know meet people and network and make connections, or I can not do any of those things and incur a cost. So what kind of makes more sense? But if, it was, if I was in your position, I had no idea what I would do, I would focus on developing skills because ultimately that's the most important thing. If you are somebody who doesn't know what they want to do, they're just a feather in the wind, they have no clue, they don't have any direction, well, there are certain things you know you need to do, okay? You need to get in physical shape. You need to start meeting people and knowing how to socialize. You need to learn how to sell yourself. You need to develop basic skills, like maybe some sales skills or some marketing skills or some interpersonal skills. These are things that you need to develop, and you can do these a number of ways, one of which is going to college, but that one costs the most. So maybe don't do that one. You could get a job. You could get a job working in a retail store and having to meet people and sell products and shake hands and look people in the eye and deal with managerial hierarchies. And like, you could do that. That's probably the best option. That's probably the one that I would do. But you have to focus on, you have to focus on developing the skills. You can't just go get a job and not try to make yourself better and just be a feather in the wind and live on your mom's couch just because the guy on the internet told you not to go to college. If you're, if you're not going to go to college, you still need a plan. You still need to make yourself better and develop skills. That is ultimately the most important thing. So the question is, how do I become a better person, develop certain skills, you know, make money, all these things without incurring the cost? That is the question. I know I need to do these things, and these are my avenues of doing it. One of them is paying $100,000 to go to some school. I could pay $5,000 a year at a community college, or I could pay $0 and actually get paid money and start developing the skills uh, that way. So you do the math. You figure out what's best for you. If it were me, I would say don't go to college unless you're going to be a doctor, a lawyer, an engineer, or something that you know you are going to get a return on that investment. That's the answer. Question number two, what business can I work in and have people take me seriously? Well, my friend, I have good news and I have bad news. The bad news is you're not going to be taken seriously. It's just a fact. Your age is going to be the Achilles heel for you in the beginning. Um, I, can, I can speak about this firsthand. When I first started working in the uh, boxing franchise that I mentioned in the last question, uh, I was 18 years old. A lot of my coworkers, they were in their 30s, some of them in their 40s. And so I wasn't really taken seriously at all. You know, like everyone said, oh, who's the, who's the child behind the desk? Who's the child teaching this boxing class? Who's the, you know... Uh, the jokes were endless and I dealt with them for many, many, many years and I still get them today to a certain degree, uh, even though I'm 27, it, uh, it goes with you everywhere. Uh, but what is going to make people take you seriously is not your age, but your competence. So don't allow age to be the reason that you don't try. Uh, understand that you're not going to be taken seriously right off the bat. Like if you're young, you're not going to be taken seriously right off the bat. It just is what it is. But the only way that you can change that is by being so good at what you do that people have to take you seriously. And the advantage that you have that all these other people don't that 
are quote unquote taken seriously is that you have the ability and the time and the resources and the energy to out hustle every single one of these people. Because if you're competing with people in the workplace that are, you know, 26, 27, 28, in their 30s, 40s, they have all these responsibilities going on. They have husbands, they have wives, they have children, they have a home, they have all these things. You have none of those things. And so you have the opportunity to invest all of your time in becoming the best version of yourself and, and maximizing your skills and becoming so damn good that everybody has to take you seriously. And that is the only way to overcome this age thing. If, if you are not being taken seriously because of your age and then you go on to be mediocre, all you're doing is validating people's view of young people. Your job is to break their idea of what a young person can do and how capable a young person can be and how seriously they should take young people. That's your challenge is that you go in there and you make people feel stupid for not taking you seriously. That is your job. And so, like I said, you're not going to be taken seriously. People are going to make fun of you. People are going to make jokes. People are going to call you a child, whatever. It's just the nature of being young. But once you become so good, at your job that people have to take you seriously, you, they, will, they, they will fear you the most because they not only will recognize how quickly you've gotten uh, up to their level, but they can see where you're going and they can see that you're, you're so much further ahead of them in the sense that you may not be further ahead of them now, but because of the time, resources, lack of responsibility that you have, you're going to pass them very soon. And so you become, it does kind of put a target on your back, but like you become one of the most valuable people at whatever business you're working at, because all you are is just in an insane amount of potential. That's what, that's what the higher ups will see in you. They will see a massive amount of potential. They see someone that walked in that wasn't being taken seriously, got up to par with, with some of the best people in, in all they have is time. They, they are 10 years behind the best person. This is just a hypothetical situation, right? But this could be your situation, right? They are 10 years younger than the best guy and they're only like 5%, you know, worse than the best guy. Like you may, you may not be the best now, but like smart people see that. Smart people see someone who is, who is developing their skills at such a fast rate and then has all this time to continue developing those skills. You will be taken seriously by the people that, that it matters to be taken seriously by, right? You don't need to be taken seriously by everyone. You just need to be taken seriously by the right people. And the only way you can do that is becoming more competent and more skilled and, and becoming the greatest asset that you possibly can and demonstrating your potential by working extremely hard and developing your skills and, and just becoming the best that you possibly can be. That is the only way to be taken seriously. What should I do as a 14 year old student to become a millionaire in my twenties? So the reason I chose this question is because I get this question a lot and I always dislike this question because it reveals a flaw in the thinking of young men. And, um, Truly, I think this is a result of the internet and you have these people who were in the right place at the right time and they invested in a crypto thing with the $5,000 that, that they got for a graduation present and they invested it in Dogecoin and it shot to the moon or they, they invested in GameStop and now they have a BMW and they're 19 and they're making Instagram reels about how to get rich. 
And these people have largely uh, skewed the mindset of the young man into thinking that that is repeatable for everyone. It is not repeatable for everyone. And I know this is going to break the hearts of many teenagers listening to this. You are not going to, like clockwork, be able to become a millionaire in your 20s. It is not, it is not something that happens. I, too, thought that that was a thing that can happen. The, the idea of the 20-year-old millionaire is a new phenomenon because we live in an economy where people can just blow it up overnight. And it happens so extremely rarely, but the internet has made it so that those people rise to the top of the algorithm. So you think that it happens frequently. And then they sell you a course as to how you can do what they did. But what they did is not actually what you're doing because what they did was they were just at the right place at the right time. And they got, for lack of a better term, lucky. And one thing you should know about these individuals that, you know, became quote unquote overnight successes and they invested in a shit coin and then it blew up and whatever. These people got rich now, but they will not be rich forever. And the reason for that is you need to develop certain skills and certain traits in order to be able to hang on to money and multiply it in the future. And this is this is something that I've experienced firsthand, but I've also seen many, many times where people just fall into money. This is why lottery, uh, people who win the lottery are, end up being, becoming broke because they haven't made the mistakes and developed the skills and the money skills and the money knowledge in order to you know, take that money and turn it into something that they can actually live off of and, and invest and multiply into the future. And these crypto millionaires that you see on the internet are no different. So when you sit here and say, how do I, what should I do as a 14 year old student to become a millionaire in my twenties is to stop, is to de detach yourself from the idea of becoming a millionaire in your twenties and focus on learning as much as you possibly can about making money and, and all the skills required to make money. We're talking about sales. We're talking about interpersonal skills. We're talking about uh, networking. We're talking about uh, providing value to people and value ex and value exchange and you know there's the, uh, whatever skill you're going to whatever vehicle you're going to use in order to make money. So this could be um, so the reason I'm the reason I'm saying this is because um, a lot of people think that if they have a bunch of different streams of revenue that they're going to, that's how they're going to become rich. So that what they do is they start a Shopify store and then they start a YouTube channel and then they start uh, Amazon FBA and then they start uh, investing in crypto and then they start day trading and then they start investing in Forex and then they start, uh, they start all these different avenues of making money, even though none of them actually make money. They, they think that if they start all these things at once, that that's how they're going to become rich. But that's not how it works because you only have so much bandwidth and so much attention that if you are a beginner in all of these things, you cannot master any of them because it requires all of your attention to master one thing. And so if you look at the richest people in the world, the question is, how many side hustles did they have when they started out? The answer is zero. Because what they do is they master one thing, they get so incredibly good at that, and that makes them so much money that they can then keep that thing going, right? Or they sell it, they can keep that thing going, and then they branch off into something else, right? They can pay someone to handle the main project that they started that made them their money, and then they can now branch off into something else and then take their attention and focus it on that, build that up, 
and then repeat the process over and over again. So you start with one thing and then branch out as you master the thing that you started with. So what's that thing going to be for you? Think about that now. If I, I'm going to actually answer your question. What should you do as a 14-year-old student? Uh, we're going to take out the part about becoming a millionaire in your 20s because we're just removing that from the equation. The question is not how do I become a millionaire in my 20s. The question is how do I become a millionaire, right? And just full disclosure, I'm not a millionaire, right? I make decent money, but I'm not a millionaire. But I have learned a ton of lessons throughout the last 10 years of my career and, and you know, trying to make my way in the world and knowing people who are millionaires and knowing people who are billionaires. And uh, I'm just taking my experiences and what I've learned from them and I'm telling this to you. So uh, this is credible information. Don't, don't think that just because I'm not a millionaire that I don't know what I'm talking about. I've talked to enough of these people and I've learned enough of my own lessons to know that um, this is kind of how it works. So with that being said, what should you do when you're 14? Well, what you should do is focus on developing the fundamental skills that help you make money. This is how to, learning how to provide value to people and not asking for anything in return because that's ultimately what money, that's what making money is about. It is, you're gonna pay me $100 and I'm going to provide you something with that, that you perceive as being worth more than $100. That's, that's the game, right? Whether you're, an, whether you're an employee or you're a business owner or you're selling a product or whatever, right? The idea is that I'm going to offer you so much value that the, the amount that I'm asking for in return is going to be worth it in your eyes, right? So with that being said, how are you going to provide value to people? And you can do this in a number of ways, right? This is more than just like, what product am I going to sell? What service am I going to do? Um, this is, how do I talk to people? How do I shake hands? How do I look people in the eye? This all this all adds into the value equation, right? Because you can have a decent product, you can have a good skill set, you can have the know-how, the knowledge, but if you're not a personable individual that knows how to like be cool with people and you know be somebody that people want to connect with and be friends with and, and, and work with and do business with and be trustworthy, um, then it's not going to matter. So that plays into the equation too. It's not just what can I do? It's, well, how can I, how can I, how can I talk to people? How can I sell myself as an individual? Because ultimately, like I said, you can have a great product, but if, if it's between the, the, the person with the great product that the guy likes versus the person with the great product that he doesn't really care for, he's going to go with the person that he likes. Um, and honestly, you can have a worse product and you can have a, you can have a less than stellar product. And if the guy, if the, if people like you as an individual, you're more, they're more inclined to do, to, to work with you, uh, because you're a trustworthy individual. And if you're somebody who learns from their mistakes and they work hard and they recognize that they see that as more valuable than just merely having a good product. Uh, because one, one, they, they, somebody can envision a long-term relationship with, and the other one they just see as more transactional. Um, so look, my answer is stop trying to be a millionaire in your twenties and just focus on developing the fundamental skills that are required to make money, which is sales, uh, communication, you know, I think being in shape is actually very, very important because, 
Um, your physical body is sort of a representation of what's going on in your mind. If you are unable to control the food that you put in your body, if you're unable to have the discipline in order to, you know, work out and, and, and put yourself through voluntary suffering, well, it, ju it just subconsciously says something about you. And I think that is very real. And I think that somebody who is in shape automatically garners more respect than somebody who isn't, uh, especially in like a business scenario. So I think that's important. I think that learning how to talk to other people, learning how to look people in the eye, and especially if you're young, because this, we live in such a world where uh, interpersonal skills and social skills are lacking to such a degree that if you just, if you just learn how to socialize with people, if you're 14 right now, forget learning a skill, forget learning how to sell a product, forget learning all the, you know, making money stuff. If you just learn how to socialize with people and you are competent at socializing with people at 14, 15, 16, 17, 18, you are going to stand out in a big way from other people your age in a big way. Because sure, like I said, you, you might have somebody that might be more skilled than you, but if you are, if you are a joy to work with and a joy to talk to, like, dude, you're going to stand out. Um, I think I've rambled on enough about this. I didn't really have a, such a structured answer, um, but that's kind of just to wrap it up. Stop trying to be a millionaire overnight because those people don't have the skills to, to make it last. Focus on the fundamental skills of making money and, and being uh, connecting with people and talking to people because that's honestly so much of the game and it gets completely underrated. Um, and focus on developing a skill, not 17 skills, a skill that you can master so that you can become valuable and then branch off and do things later down the road once you've mastered the main thing that you're doing. That's my advice. Hope you enjoyed that. Next question. I am 17. I really tried all the way to make money, but it is not working. Can you tell me some ideas? Okay, so I can already tell what is stopping you from gaining progress or making things happen or getting results or making money or whatever. Um, first of all, you have not tried everything. Okay. You have not, you have not tried everything in the world. And to be totally honest with you, if you're only 17, you have not even tried long enough to make money to, to, to be able to make the judgment that you have failed. Okay. I know people that have worked 10 years and didn't make money. 10 full years did not make more than a thousand dollars a month. And now they're multimillionaire, if not a billionaire. So um, just from that perspective, you have not tried everything. But what you, what you, what's going on in your head is a, is a fundamental uh, misconception of how things work. You think that if you just try enough things that something's going to hit. Something's going to hit if I just try all of the things at some point that eventually it's going to work. No. And I know this because it's not about the thing you're doing. It's about who you are and the skills that you have. I know for certain that if Alex Hormozzi or Andy Frisella or uh, Elon Musk or any of these people were to try even one of the things that you've tried, they would be successful at it. And it's not because he's Elon Musk. It's not because he's Alex Hormozzi. It's not because he's Andy Frisella. It's because... They have developed a skill set and an unwillingness to quit and an ability to figure out uh, the solutions to problems that you don't have. That's the difference. That's the separator. It is not 
some genetic trait. It is not the fact that they were born different. It is not the fact that their name is not your name. It is the fact that they have uh, developed the ability to solve problems and the, they have an unwillingness to quit and they persevere and they keep going and they're able to, and they're, and they're able to, uh, uh, you know, actually like find the root cause of problems and provide a good experience. And, and they've, and over the years they've developed these things. So, uh, that's your problem. It is not the fact that you've tried everything. You, you're probably going to have a better chance of getting where you want to go by just trying one thing for like 10 years. If you haven't tried one thing for 10 years, you're not, you, you haven't tried. Okay. Look at my content. I have been making content for 15 years. A lot of people think that I started last week or last year, and I managed to get all these followers just like that. No, go back on my YouTube channel. Look at the receipts. I have been making content since 2008. So that's trying. That is trying. That's developing a skill. That's, that's perseverance, okay? Unless you've done something for multiple years, I've, I've been making content since you were two years old since you were two years old and you think you've tried everything. It wasn't until I was 13 and a half years into making content that I had any traction at all, that anything worked. So you have not tried. You have to change your, your perception of what trying looks like. You think, oh, I did this for two weeks and I, didn't, I wasn't successful. It's not, it, it didn't work. No, you didn't work. You, you thought that it was going to be easy. It's not easy. None of this is easy. Not being successful in any realm of, of, of anything is not easy. That's why it's admirable. That's why we look at it and we're like, oh, I want to do that because it's hard to do. Nobody, nobody celebrates people who go to sleep. Everyone goes to sleep. It is easy to go to sleep. You close your eyes and you pretend to sleep and then eventually you sleep. That's how, that's how it works. It's easy. Everyone does it. Nobody gets celebrated for it. But when you do something that's difficult to do, that takes a lot of perseverance, a lot of effort, a lot of problem solving, a lot of learning, a lot of navigating, a lot of making mistakes, a lot of doing what others are unwilling to do, then it's admirable. And that's why people celebrate it. That's why people celebrate excellence because it's difficult and so you sitting there thinking that you tried for two weeks on something, that means you tried everything. No, you didn't. Next question. All right, final question. How to control every emotion, anger, lust, fear? The simple answer is you can't control your emotions. You can only control your actions, okay? Um, I've said this before in a, in a previous episode of the podcast, but... Uh, the space between stimulus and response is where you learn to master your mind. This is a concept that I learned from the seven habits of highly effective people. Um, and basically like if, if, if you view the emotion, anger, lust, fear as the stimulus, this is the, the, the signaling mechanism to your brain that says, ah, I'm angry. Ah, I'm lustful. Ah, I'm afraid, whatever. You then have a moment where you can make a choice. All right. And this is where, this is what separates like people who are in control of their mind 
from people who are not in control of their mind. The people that are not in control of their mind, they're just going to get angry and then do the angry thing. They're going to get lustful and then do the lustful thing. They're going to be afraid and then do the scared thing. Okay. The people that are in control of their mind in what that really means is people that are in control of their actions are going to feel angry and then they're going to stop and they're going to say, okay, what's going to lead to the best outcome here? I recognize that I'm angry in this moment, okay? But what action do I take that's going to lead to the best outcome? That is the, that is the mark of somebody who is in control of their mind. When they, ha- when they receive a stimulus and they can stop and make the decision, okay, wait, okay, I, I want to do this, but is this going to be good? Is this going to lead to the best outcome? Am I going to regret that decision? If you can stop and have that conversation with yourself, you're good. You're good. Like you don't have to worry. Stop trying to worry about how do I be less angry? How do I be less lustful? How do I be less fearful? Like we are human beings. Anger is going to be a part of our life. Lust is going to be a part of our life. Fear is going to be a part of our life. Sadness is going to be a part of our life. These are things that are inherent within human beings. It is, it is woven into our biological wiring. It is just in there. It is something that's going to come and go and, and we can't control it. But what we can control is the conversation that we have with ourselves when those things arrive and the action that we choose to take in spite of those actions, in spite of those emotions. So if you're looking to control your emotions, stop trying to control your emotions, but just recognize when the emotion arrives, you have to build that awareness. You have to sort of work that muscle in your mind of the stepping outside of how you feel and then looking at how you feel and being like, okay, I feel this way. Let me stop for a second. What's, what action is going to lead to the best outcome? If you, have, if you, if you just focus on developing that conversation and, and making sure you have that conversation every single day, multiple times a day, every single time you feel something come up, you stop and have that conversation, you're going to put yourself in a better position than 99% of people. Because it's not just when you're angry and lustful and fearful, it's also when you're lazy and unmotivated and undisciplined. That is what that that is where you really start to gain momentum in your life is when you can when you can say to yourself, I don't want to do this today. I want to lay in bed today. I don't want to work today. And then you stop and say, okay, hang on. I recognize that I'm lazy today and I'm anxious today and I don't feel like doing it today and I don't and I'm unmotivated today. But what action is going to lead to the best outcome? And then what happens over time is you this conversation becomes less uh it takes less time to, to make the right choice. Eventually, you're going to get to a point where you, you hear yourself say, I don't want to do this today, and then you just spring right into action. You just go right and do the correct thing that's going to lead to the right outcome. The conversation becomes much quicker. The, the response changes. You go from being lazy and then doing the lazy things just as an automatic response to feeling lazy and then doing the productive thing because that's now how you've rewired your brain to act. And so it's, it's a process. You have to take time. You have to take the time to sort of develop this. But ultimately, if you, if you just focus on that conversation right there, you won't have to worry about controlling your anger and your feelings and whatever, because you'll just understand that those are things that come and go. But as long as you control your actions, those things matter less. Those things are just like signaling mechanisms. Those are just things that pop up. It's like a notification on your phone. You check it and you say, is this a text that I want to respond to? Not really. And then you put your phone down and keep doing what you were doing. Or you, or sometimes the emotion is, uh, 
indicative of something that you should think that you should uh, think about, right? Because if you're anxious and there's something that you haven't done that's causing you to be anxious, well, you should pick up your phone and say, why am I anxious? Oh yeah, because I had to do that thing that I haven't done yet. That's really important. Let me go do that thing. Okay. So sometimes the emotions can be useful, but a lot of the times they aren't. And a lot of the times they're working against you. They're trying to keep you comfortable. They're trying to keep you safe. They're trying to keep you. And I said that in quotes, by the way, if you're listening on audio, they're trying to keep you in a position that is less than what you'd like to be. And your mind is often working against your best interest. So you have to recognize that and know that when those emotions come up, there's a moment there where you have a choice. You can either follow that emotion or you can move in the exact opposite direction of that emotion. And more often than not, moving in the opposite direction of that emotion is going to work in your, in your favor and in your best interest. Uh, but you're never going to get there unless you're able to recognize it, stop and have the conversation with yourself and then move yourself in the right direction. So that's the final question. Hope you guys enjoyed this podcast. We'll see you in the next one later. 